Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, welcome to the Rock God of Podcasting. I am, said Rock God, Charles McFall. And I'm here to tell you some more stories today. This show is all about the shared human experience and inside of my own experiences, my own stories, you will find yourself and you'll find yourself asking questions that are answered because this is a podcast. So what I would like you to do is take those questions that you have and send them to me and let's have a time delay conversation, if you will. Basically, just send them to me, bearcrawling at gmail.com or I keep forgetting I have a good new email address, R-G-O-P, that stands for Rock Out of Podcasting, R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com. You'd think I remember that because it's the two things that I am, but I keep forgetting that. But it's R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com or go, go, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be all over the place this morning. I don't know what is going on with my head and my voices and my thought process. It's going to be a ride today, so just buckle up and hold on. But go to rockoutofpodcasting.com. There's a speak pipe right there on the side. We've had a number of people use that, so please go. And that's where you can leave your voice message or, of course, email me. Uh, Facebook's Rock Out of Podcasting. Twitter's Rock Out of Pod. All that jazz. But, yeah, as you listen to this, you have questions, send them to me. Let me get to those answers. And today, Mike, we've got some questions ready to go, so hit me up. All right, sir. We're going to pull this one off the list of questions entitled, Stuff Charles wants to come back to later. So this one from a previous episode and the word obligation kind of got stuck in your head and you wanted to come back to it. So uh, how do you handle obligation? What does that mean to you, sir? Uh, That's what that means to me. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So. We build our lives too much. There's just so much going on in my head where to tackle this, the things I want to have. I want to talk about gift giving and obligation. I want to talk about jobs. I want to talk about life and the crap that we build around obligations. It's, 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 it's a lie. The cake is a lie, okay? And obligations is the cake of this story. <laughs> so it's so made up. It is so bullshit and bollocks, man. It is... It's, Oh, my God. So, growing up, I was homeschooled, and, well, okay, I went to first grade. My mom, let me back up a little bit more. My mother was a state-certified teacher in the state of Florida where I was born, and up through, like, back then, it was younger education. They didn't specify early childhood development. They, It was, you either got certified to teach, like, first through eighth grade or kindergarten through eighth, or you got certified to teach high school or, of course, college. You know, you became a professor. So she was certified to teach kindergarten through eighth grade. And in kindergarten, preschool and kindergarten, she did teach me herself. And then I went to first grade at a private school because 
for whatever reason, my mom was terrified of public school. And I phrase it that way because she instilled that in me with no experience on my part, none whatsoever, never set foot in a public school other than to visit a friend, but never as a student. And never had, I mean, I had friends who went to public school who turned out fine. I mean, one of the smartest people I know is Douglas Spencer, who has uh, asked a question on the show before. And he's an aerospace engineer, a hydroelectric engineer, uh, super smart about things. Uh, You know, a lot of, lacks a lot of common sense. That's what he has me for. But public school did not damage him. It did not damage my wife. You know, who who's kind of mixed. She did some public school, ended up doing home study program, which wasn't quite the same as homeschool, but she finished out that way. But my mom had this fear of public school. I have no idea what it was all about. But she put me in private school, and uh, <laughs> I, this is in the days before ADD was a thing, before it was such a widespread, uh, almost bullshit. And I know I take a chance of offending some of the listeners, but listen to what I'm saying, you know, it's, it's go-to it's a, Oh, instead of actually listening to the kid or maybe talking to him to see what's going on, we're just going to prescribe drugs. So I'm not saying ADD and ADHD is hundred percent bullshit. What I'm saying is it's, it's probably 20 to 30% real. And then the rest of it is just doctors pencil whipping prescriptions and let's control our kids with drugs and it's shit. But luckily I came up before that. So when I was in public school, I had a lot of distraction issues. I I could get my work done if I was separated from the class, which is not feasible in a school system. Uh, I I could do a lot of things. And at some point during the year, uh, I guess because I was such a problem or disruption, or I I don't know what caused it, but essentially they had me tested, my IQ tested to see if, you know, I talked to a school counselor or whatever. I don't really remember any of it. I just remember I got to go to cool classes, special ed, it was why I got to go to, but not because I was slow or developmentally challenged is because I tested at that time at borderline genius in first grade. You know, I tested way above my skill levels and essentially I wasn't being challenged and I was bored and I was easily distracted. And like I said, if they had ADD as a diagnosis back then, that's exactly what the school systems would have done. They would have put, sent me to a doctor, had me put on drugs. Luckily, I didn't have to do all that. So then I grew up homeschooled and I just remember my mom saying a bunch of different things. One was, uh, I had to go to college cause you don't want to be flipping burgers the rest of your life. Cause that was literally, that was the reality that was put forth to me, right? Is if I didn't go to school and get a degree, I would be simply flipping hamburgers for my entire life. Well, that's a load of shit too, because there's the, God damn, there's so many people who make it in life beyond flipping. If you stay at a McDonald's, let's just pick McDonald's, okay? I'm not talking about their corporate practices or any of the other bullshit that goes on there. I'm just talking about in general. The world knows what McDonald's is. If you start there at 14, 15 years old, and you're still there at 20-something years old, you've moved up somehow, some way. Just by law of attrition, you've become an assistant manager or a manager. I'm not saying you have to have any ambition, at that point, you have to have no real developmental skills. I'm, I'm sure there are probably people who don't get picked for management, but law of attrition, especially in fast food states, if you're there for any period of time, you become the boss. 
That's how that works. Now, there are definitely people who have ambition, who want to do more. It gets encouraged. So even if I start off flipping hamburgers, the odds of me just flipping hamburgers for the rest of my life are so astronomical. I mean, I'd have to work at that to stay in that position. You understand? It's so stupid. But I got this built-in sense of obligation that I had to do what you thought I had to do. That's in a nutshell what obligation is, right? When we feel it, when we, we have it in our brains, when other people talk to us, obligation is I have to do what you think I have to do. I have to make you happy somehow. And it's such a negative draw of energy and just bleh. <laughs> just, ah. And I wanted to bring this up now because the holidays are upon us at the time of this recording. It's, they're coming up very shortly. So I know that plays in a lot and I'm going to get to that. But talking about jobs, talking about careers, I, I it just did not stick in my brain. I was like, I, I did buy into it for a while. I, I wanted to be an airline pilot simply because I'd read an article about an airplane and something stuck. I, I don't know what it was. I wanted to fly at age, I don't know, 14, 15, somewhere in there. Uh, my parents, my mom, my mom was always pushing me towards school. I mean, the second I hit eighth grade, it was college prep this and college prep that. Now I'm smart. I had no problems with it. I rebelled in doing Spanish, mostly because I, I had zero interest, zero interest in learning another language. I have minimal interest now. I've tried to learn some German. I think German is actually a beautiful language. And I've played with Duolingo. <clears throat> and I stick with it for a while. I've learned a few things. But the true desire is not there. Otherwise, I would learn it. Otherwise, I'd be on it all the time. I'd be every day, you know, in there. I just, I think languages are cool. I think it'd be really nifty to be able to speak a bunch of different languages, at least one other language fluently, to be able to be that much more influential in the world and that much more fluid. It's just, I don't care. Ultimately, eh, when it comes push comes to shove, at the end of the day, I'd rather play a video game than learn another language. That's just true. So I rebelled against that Spanish in high school. But other than that, I was super smart. I did algebra one, two, and three. And algebra three was essentially, if I remember it right, was pre-calculus and pre-trigonometry. So I was just in these higher maths, just loving this stuff. I could write a paper. I would fight you all day long on grammar rules and not wanting to learn. And I got mediocre grades through there just because I hated it. But when it came down to doing a paper, blow it out of the water every single time. Every single time. Even now, I still have a hard time remembering certain grammar rules when I'm helping my kids through their school. But there are people who like it. But that's... I can, I, I've always been a seller, right? I've always always been a closer, and I can I can knock stuff out. And I don't know if I'll tell another story about that in a minute or not. But there's plenty of stories along those lines. But it was always this obligation that I had to go to school, except my parents couldn't pay for it. So I had to get a job and save up money to go to school. And I had to do all these other things to get the scholarships. And the school, I think I'd... It was in the search of doing college prep stuff. 
that uh, school had sent us a catalog or a, a, a magazine that they had, and in there I'd read about the pilots and this and that. And I went to visit the school. I honestly don't know what changed my mind at some point. Perhaps is my size because I was six foot at fourteen years old. That's when I hit my dad's height, which is six foot even. And ultimately, by sixteen, I was six foot six, six foot seven, somewhere in there. And I've always been a big guy, always. So I think I was three hundred fifty pounds. I know it's three hundred fifty pounds by the time I got my first license. So most planes are small, right? That they train you on. And I think maybe that's what put me off, or maybe it was the price of the schooling. Because not only to go to school to become a pilot, because that particular school had a program where you could get different kind of pilot's licenses. I don't remember what the whole deal was. It was a long time ago. But you would ultimately, I think, be qualified to fly anywhere. You could be an international pilot. You could be, you know, you could do whatever you wanted to with your degree and certifications. I think part of the problem was I had to pay on top of my tuition, of course, the insurance fees for the plane, you know, the plane training. I had to pay all the licensing fees, all the all the extra shit that goes with an airplane. And maybe it was just I would never have the money for it. But I partially is too that my life was not destined for that. So that again, like with the language I had no obligation to follow that. I, I don't give a shit about obligation. And that's where it started to come out there was, well, you know what? I could work super extra hard and get the money. And it's quite possible my parents were talking me out of it. I don't remember. I landed on criminal justice and so on and so forth. Went to school for a year out of obligation because I really, truly, deep down in my heart, had zero desire to go to a school. Now, I needed to go. It was the right path in my universe walk. You know, it, it helped me develop more of who I am, realize more of who I am, gave me some independence away from my parents to start figuring out who I was and following the path. And when I was done with that year, I'm going to tell some stories from that school too, based on obligation. But when I was done with that year, I came home and internally in my mind went, okay. I'm done living my life for other people, which was not 100% true because I did that for a long time after. But this was the first baby step, right? And when it's the first baby step, you don't necessarily realize it's the first baby step. So the phrasing was, I'm done living my life for other people. I have no idea what I want to do with my life. So I'm not going to waste my time and money and energy because it's my money. I had to scramble to get all the scholar whatever scholarships I got. I had to find a cheaper school to go to. I had to work two or three jobs on campus. It was a, the tuition. Um, I never saw a dime, right? It was working my tuition off essentially for the school. So I worked for the shit. I did a lot. So I worked for the, uh, the campus criminal justice department, which basically made me a crossing guard. I worked at night cleaning on a cleaning crew. I then, uh, ended up leaving the, the crossing guard job. Well, I didn't leave the job. They fired me because I got too many demerits and they, they couldn't have that uh, because it had to be, it had to be above reproach and honorable. I'm like, Shh, I'm a fucking 18 year old freshman. There's no such thing as above reproach, no matter what school you go to when you're 18 and first time away from home. But anyway, so I basically got fired from that job. Ended up going cleaning dishes at the cafeteria in the mornings, which I hate mornings. And I had to be up at six something in the morning to be to that job. At night, I would uh, be cleaning, you know, buildings or whatever. So it was a mess. 
but I had to get a goddamn college degree or I'm going to flip burgers the rest of my life. And that sounded like a horrible thing to do. To this day, I have not flipped a single burger in my entire life. I've done everything else, right? I worked at Long John Silver's getting burned on the, the deep fry old frying fish. I have worked at Taco Bell making burritos and handing them out the window. I have worked at Walmart. I've worked at a roller skating rink handing out skates. I've worked at just about every type of job that you can imagine and then some. I've always hustled because here's my number one motto that's going to end the show. I want you to hear it in the end, but also here. No one deserves to be miserable ever. No one deserves to be miserable. In fact, you deserve to be happy in what you do. Does that mean everything that you do in your job you're going to love? Hell no. Hell no. But it does mean deep down inside, okay, even though today was a tough day or even though today I had to do some things I, I really dislike at my job or in what I do, I still love what I do. You know, I've had to have some hard conversations with people about podcasting, about running a network, about my one of my best friends at the time was screwing up his show and it was on a network that I represented that I had brought him to. I had built my own network as a Bear Klein Nation. We'd gone into the No Agenda stream, which was Adam Curry's network. So now I'm answering to other people there, and I'm actually working at the top level with them. And I brought this guy in, and he was just fucking up left and right. And I had to have that conversation with him. He was one of my best friends. And business is business. I hated that part. I hated having to pull him the task. I hated having to say, this is the agreement you signed, and you're not living up to it. But I still love podcasting. I still love building networks. I still I still love the man. We don't talk that much anymore. And that's a whole other long story. That's not mine to tell. It's not something that you can go, hey, tell us a story about that guy you don't talk to. That's that's his story to tell. If I told his if I told just my side of that interaction, it would be hundred percent skewed because I don't know his perception of things. I don't know everything that went on in his life. So there's just some things I feel like I'm unqualified to share. I mean, I can tell you my side all day long. It doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it necessarily entertaining. Sometimes I do, as I got called out for in a recent episode uh, where I mentioned our morning mon and, and called him out for uh, his view on muscles. That was very much my perception of it. Still is my perception of it. But uh, he and I are good. We, we've talked about it. But he's like, well, that doesn't. Does it include this and that and the other? I was like, this show is all about my perception of things. And sometimes I do feel okay talking about people or an experience that was shared that is my perception because that's part of what I'm trying to show you the world is from my perception and my perspective on it. But sometimes there are stories that just go deeper, and I know that. So I don't always share them. Anyway, 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 wait, 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 wait. Nobody deserves to be miserable. So I'm at school and I'm miserable and being miserable because I'm there. I have obligation. I went to a very uber religious school. I mean, it was so religious. My dad tried to talk me out of going to it. I didn't realize it. He was not good at talking to me then. And I can look back now and realize what he's doing, but he, he has his own story to tell about his relationships and, and how he learned to communicate and sometimes the lack thereof. And what he was trying to do was express to me 
about how uber religious this school is and how our family, even though he is a Southern Baptist preacher, our family wasn't that, wasn't that religious, wasn't that fundamentalist. And I just had blinders on. My mom liked the school. I, for whatever reason, I liked the school. And that's just where I went. And, man, oh, it was tough. But I would get into so much trouble because I just hated being there. And never took responsibility. Well, at the time, didn't take responsibility for my choice, not until the end. But that's how I built up the merits was and you get a demerit for not making your bed. You get a demerit for sleeping in the morning. I am not kidding you. You had to be up at uh, a certain time in the morning. I think it's seven something. The bell would ring, and they would come and do a room check by like nine o'clock. And if you were in bed, if you were caught sleeping, you would get written up. Whether you had classes or not, did not matter. Whether you worked at night or not, they did not care. You would just get in trouble. You had to have your bed made. It was. It was. They said they were trying to teach me responsibility. I say they're full of shit and they were trying to control me. And that's the last thing you want to do with me. And I, and they both learned the hard way on that one for a year. But I would get, because I was there, I have obligation for whatever false sense of obligation that I had. My mom never said I had to go to that school. Just I had to go to school. Bad things happen, right? I, I got the merits. I, I, I would show up late for class. I would, I would just... I would be in trouble all the time. Now, I, I came up short of getting kicked out of school because it didn't matter what your grades were at that school. If you got so many demerits, they would kick you out. And I'm like, looking back, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's what I should have been saying to myself, really. I said it to them for a very long time, held a grudge for a very long time. But the reality is you're, you should rise and fall on what you do in a certain situation. And at a school... It never should be about how you live. If you want to go out and party, go out and party. If you want to have sex before marriage, that's your decision. If you want to skip all your classes and fail out, do that. But true responsibility is taught by actually holding people responsible, not by treating them like babies. So the fact that I was getting great grades, I I think I came out of that school with a 3.5, but I came out with a really high GPA out of that. Uh, that year didn't matter if I had gotten 95 or a hundred demerits or whatever it was. I think I came up short with like 70 something, <laughs> but if I'd gotten a full line of it, didn't matter what my grades were. They would have kicked me out. Obligation will do that to you. Obligation is, is the trap that will get you in a whole lot of shit. You don't want to do and in, in, in a way that you will just hate yourself. So moving on from the college thing, I had to get a job. And that was fair enough, honestly. When I came home, my parents uh, let me move into, we had a garage that had been enclosed. So it was a two-car garage. It was basically an apartment area. And they let me have that to live in. I had to pay some rent, which is reasonable. It was like 100 bucks a month, maybe 150 bucks a month. I had a truck that I owned, and I had to make the payments on that and the insurance. And that was it. That was my obligations. Ha-ha. No, that was my responsibilities. And there's a huge difference. So I paid a little bit of rent, right? I had the free reign of the kitchen. Um, I didn't have to be home to eat dinner. We worked out a lot of that stuff of of becoming my own man and so on and so forth. But I did have to take care of my responsibilities. So I would go and get different jobs and so on and so forth. Um, 
later on uh, when I was dating my wife, here's a different type of obligation that we had fights about ultimately. And I won ultimately because I was right, not because I was the loudest and the most stubborn. And we'll tell that story now. When I was dating my wife, we started dating in October. By summer of the next year, we knew we were going to get married. We had been dating for about six months, and we just knew. And I did the steps, got the ring, whatever we needed to do, proposed to her. It's really awesome, too, by the way. It's really cool. So here's a, a non-obligation story. See, you got to have two sides to every coin, right? To me, obligation is a dark ugly i have to bullshit side that makes you a slave it makes you a slave you will do nothing of free will when you're obligated nothing and i won't tell you now i hate obligation i hate presents that are given out of obligation because it stinks of i had to it misses the mark every time you know i might talk about some of that here later it takes away from it when I find out that you had to, you felt like you had to do something. Instead of want to, desire is the flip side. When you desire something, when you just want to do, when you take joy from giving other people happiness, when you take life from giving people freedom, showing them the way, giving them more life, God is such a much better place to be. Such a much better place to be. So the proposal with my wife, now she knew it was coming. We had both been talking about it for a while. We knew. We knew that we're done. This is the rest of our life. And now we're checking out. We'd gone ring shopping together. And she had no idea I'd paid off the ring early, which is the first responsible thing I ever did with my money was I paid off the rings early. So we're in her backyard laying on a hammock out in some nice weather. It's probably mid-spring maybe. Uh, it definitely wasn't summertime, and I don't believe it was the fall, but it, I guess it could have been. But anyway, it was either spring or fall. We're on the hammock, and we're just laying there together, and she has this promise ring on her hand, right? Because, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other show on bullshit promises mean nothing. And it kind of goes hand-in-hand -hand with obligation, but when you promise to the great unknown, not even to yourself, not even because you want to, but because you're caught up in something and you promise anything. I mean, I swore never to kiss another girl after the first girl broke my heart. And then when I started dating my wife, I had to go to a goddamn church counselor because that's where I was at the time. I was deep inside the church and went to the college pastor leader there who I trusted, who at the time I thought was a bit of a dick, but I realized he actually was exactly what I needed. He was perfectly right. Because he would just call bullshit, bullshit without so many words. And I had to go to him and go, because my, <laughs> my, through different things that I did, I don't know that my mom ever wanted me to learn the, the sense of obligation, but through different things we did, vows, vows are so important. And if you vow to God and you break it, oh my God, it's the end of the world. And I had been a dumbass who had a broken heart and had been betrayed. And I dated this girl early on in my life. I was 16, I guess, at the time. And she was the first girl I ever kissed. Well, shit didn't go my way. Stuff happens. We broke up. And I'm I'm just torn up inside because of a lot of bullshit religious stuff on me, a lot of other things. And, of course, because I'm a human being and a teenager, and I got my heart broken. And I vowed, vowed to never kiss another girl again until it was my wife or whatever. And I was dating, 
Actually, I was. I don't. I don't know if I was dating my wife or not. Uh, I was. I can't remember exact timing because at, at one point in my life, I was in a lot of upheaval and a lot of transition. So I kind of did some stuff with this one church, but I really kind of did some stuff with this other group. Uh, I started dating my wife, who was a whole city away. I was starting a career as an EMT slash paramedic, so I'm, I'm working at odd times. And it all overlaps. It all overlaps. So I'm not exactly, I'm pretty sure I was, I had started dating Aaron at the time, but it could have been the, the girl I was interested in right before that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I had to go to this guy and be like, oh, I have this vow and I feel so conflicted because I really think it's okay to kiss and I want to kiss her. And he just basically went, essentially, in no certain terms, he went, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why would you think God even gives a shit about you kissing a girl? You're not like having sex or anything because he, you know, it was a Baptist church and it was a Christian church. And of course they preach against having sex before marriage and I'm not encouraging sex before marriage. We'll have the sex talk. If you ask me about it, God, that'd be a fun show to do. Hey, rock out of podcasting. Can you give me the sex talk? Absolutely. That, oh my God. I did one with my son that at the end of it, I really wish I recorded because I felt like I was just the most badass dad in the world because. As gently as I could explain things to him, but I gave him truth. I gave him truth. And if you want to hear some of that, ask me about the sex talk and I'll talk about it here on Rock Out of Podcasting. But he, the preacher, the college preacher said, dude, do you think it's okay to kiss her? I kind of, yeah. Then what the hell are you worried about? Shut up and get out of my office. <laughs> I'm sure he was much kinder than that, but that was just kind of what hit me. And I was like, I mean, all of a sudden, this burden that I'm carrying, he like took a baseball bat and knocked it the hell off of me. And all of a sudden, I was like, huh, that feels better. All right. So obligation. That was my bullshit obligation to a God I did not understand and a situation I did not care about to, if you even want to throw God, the true God in here, who didn't give a shit if I kissed a girl. Why would he or she or it? Anyway obligation man it'll fuck you up <laughs> so as we're dating Aaron and I we the first Christmas we spent together we were just starting the date so we didn't really do much I and mean, we did some presents for each other right and we set a $30 limit which made me look like an asshole because I spent I got her a Chick-fil-A calendar which she loved is that they just started coming out at the time got her some bumper stickers of her favorite bands when I was at this concert um, what else? I, I got her a few things, but I stayed under 30 bucks. She spent like a hundred dollars and got me a Batman movie. I didn't have got me animal boxers, uh, animal from the, uh, Muppets boxers. She, or no, Homer Simpson boxers, an animal stuffed doll that I actually have right here in my studio with a choker chain on it because animal had a big collar and a chain that none of the dolls she found was suitable. So she, she bought like a $30 animal doll. Cause I was a drummer at the time too, which I still love. Still love the animal doll. He was, he's amazing character. Whoa, man. Oh my God. Animal cookie monster are cousins, man. They, they're cousins. See, I told you my voice is too weird. My head's doing weird shit to my speaking today. And all of a sudden I'm super stopped up and it's really pissing me off. Now, today's kind of early, late fallish, early winterish in Georgia. And I was already stuffy before I started doing the show, but right now it's really irritating the piss out of me. So anyway, Animal is here. I still have it. It's an amazing thing, but she spent like $60 just on that setup alone. 
And I mean, I felt like an asshole because it's such an amazing present. I mean, I'm literally, you can't see me because this is a podcast, but I'm literally pointing to where Animal's sitting in my studio with the chain and everything. And he's, he's one of my treasured uh, treasures, if you will. <laughs> but the following year, we were on the edge of getting married. We were engaged. So now I'm family. Right now we have to figure out which family is going to do what. And her family, you know, I'm going to leave it there without making any waves and ripples. There's no, this is, but there was lots of obligation that made for lots of problems. And I hated every second of it. I hated how we had to do my family. I hated how we had to do her family. The, the way it had to come about. It was not that, hey, we went to, I mean, my family, there was a blow. I'll tell my side of it. I won't talk about her family, but I'll talk about my side of it. She had a tradition of every Christmas morning, her entire, for as long as she can remember, her family would get up. Her dad's even, even though he's divorced from her mom, he would come over, spend the night, Christmas Eve night. Uh, so he'd be there early in the morning. They would all get up bright and early, like six, six thirty, seven o'clock, go to Waffle House as a family tradition, the mom, the dad, the two kids and do that. And then come back and do Christmas morning, you know, after Waffle House. And they'd done that for a very long time. And it was very special to her to do that that way then that night they would go to her grandfather's house and that had been that had truly been for as long as she had been alive they had done that every christmas night would go there well my family was the opposite of that until it came down to obligations (laughs) so my family my dad had to be gone at some point uh, to help my grandfather when i was a teenager uh, he's helping him do something special because you're normally we'd all go together to North Carolina. It wasn't that far away to do uh, stuff, but this was in a winter. So my grandfather was in Florida again, only, you know, six, eight hours away. But for whatever reason, my dad, it, it, he had to help my grandfather do something. I have no idea what it was. I don't remember if he told me or not. It could be one of those sensitive family things. Who knows? But he went down for a few days and he, he had to help out doing this, help out doing that. Well, it's right, literally right at Christmas time. And so we weren't sure when to do Christmas, but because of the way it worked out, we were going to do Christmas on the 26th so my dad could be there. Easy peasy. Nobody had a problem with it. We did it on the 26th. As we had grown up through life, you know, a lot of times we did have the Christmas morning tradition, but really what it came down to as we became young adults, my sister and I, inside the family, we said, hey, you know what? I'm not a fan of getting up in the morning. And neither was anybody in my house, really. We're not morning people. So how about, you know, we all went out to dinner like Christmas Eve night one night, and, and we had a tradition as kids. We could open one present on Christmas Eve and then, of course, get up the next morning. And we all talked it out as adults, right? Young adults for me and my sister, adults for my parents. But we talked it out as reasoned adults and went, does anybody have a problem with opening presents on Christmas Eve and just saying tomorrow's a nice, relaxing day? We'll have a breakfast at, say, 11, 12, you know, brunch-ish whatever, we'll have a big early meal together as a family and like we normally do and celebrate, but we don't have to worry about the presents and getting up early. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So we did that that year. So I know there's at least those two instances, if not more, to say we were flexible because we understood it was about being together, or so I thought. So when I came to my mom the year that we were engaged, and told her, it's like, hey, here's how we'd like to do. Because I told my wife, she was so worried about her obligations. And partially what she wanted to do, but partially because 
So it was obligations. She felt like there would be issues, major issues on her side of the family if it didn't go down exactly the way I described it. You know, Christmas morning at her mom's house, Christmas night at her grandfather's house. So I said, no problems, baby. No problems. My family's flexible. We're awesome that way. And I told her all the stories I told you. No problems. It took a, oh, awesome. Took a huge burden off her. Made her happy. So I go to confirm with my mom a few weeks before Christmas and said, hey, here's how I'd like to do it. You know, we'd like to do Christmas Eve here and then do that there with her family. Oh, my mom lost her shit. Jumped all over me about my family should matter too. And we're all going to be in together. Why didn't she get great? That's the first time I really remember, but I mean, straight up towing the line and going head to head with her. And I don't believe I cussed her out because you don't cuss in my mom's house. Because one, on a human level, for her, that shuts the whole conversation down. So if you actually want to get something done, you don't do it. But on the other bullshit levels is she has her her rules that work for her if you blah, 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 blah. I'm getting off on some bullshit here. She's human being. She has her issues. I, I'm tapping in some of the energy at the time. I'm getting angry about something. That, oh, I'm getting agitated. I'm obviously not angry. But I'm, I'm letting myself get worked up over something that happened. Shit, man. 16 years ago. So it's no, let it go. Let's just, let's finish the story and we'll get on it. Okay. All right. All right. I can do that. Thank you. <laughs> so the end of it was I stood up and I yelled at her about those stories. Very quick versions of it. It's like, what the hell you taught me that it was about being family together. And that did not matter about that morning that we're all together. And that was, and the ultimate thing was tough. That's what's going to happen. So that is what happened. And we, we, we moved on. It worked out, but there were obligations and many years to come after that. My wife and I would do stuff that was family related on either side of the families that we just did not want to do. And it made for misery. It made for a bad time. It made for suffering. And I honestly don't know if we hit it. Well, I don't know if people knew we didn't want to be. I think most people who are doing obligations. And when it comes to family and holidays, lots of people are doing things out of obligations. But I couldn't help but watch, and you call it bullshit, whatever, but I couldn't help but watch the things on TV where the families show up, where they want to be there, where they fight tooth and nail to be with their family, to do something special. And so Aaron and I started on a different path. And the different path was... uh, uh creating family experience that are we hope our kids will want to continue long into their adulthood you're creating some of our own traditions one of those is christmas town every year we go to stone mountain they don't call it christmas Town; they call it a christmas adventure or a christmas experience at stone mountain something like that but they take this little area of shops that are always there year-round and it's in their their state park area where you'd go and you you could do some hiking and this and that and the other but during during the year, you have to pay for certain events and, and to do certain things you have to pay access to. But at Christmastown, they turn that whole entire, I mean, there's, I think at one point they reported there's over 3 million strands of lights out there. And it's just gorgeous. Every inch of that place is professionally decorated with Christmas lights. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing what they do there. And it's so much fun. And they, it's just such a di- different atmosphere. 
when you go for Christmas Town. There's now there's Rudolph and Bumble, the abominable snowman that you can take pictures with, the big costume people. For many years, their 40 theater ran a version of the Polar Express, a 10 minute version that was cut down uh, to all the parts that would be good for 4D. You know, the ice on the pond where they're sliding, hot chocolate, which all the kids love. You're listening to snow, you know, those kind of things. Uh, last year they did, last couple of years they did uh, Scrat from Ice Age. And then this year, I forget what it is, it's something new this year, but they have the movie for the kids or for the family, really. We all like it. They have Santa Claus, if you're interested in that. They have a bunch of different Christmas musical type shows. They have a train ride that you ride around the mountain on this actual train that's been there forever. And they have Christmas sing along while you do it and you go and see the lights. And it's Georgia, it's the Bible Belt. So you get to a midpoint stopping and they tell the story of Jesus. And it's it's cool enough. Actually, the actors and actresses that they hire, because I've seen both. Sometimes it's a old grandpa Ben and sometimes it's old grandma Mabel. But the people that get to do it are very good storytellers. So even though I'm kind of like, I grew up with the Bible story. I'm kind of tired of hearing it every goddamn year. I go there, I don't mind because the people put on a performance because they take what they do seriously. And when you do something well with passion and you're a great storyteller and you perform, it really almost doesn't matter what the hell you're talking about. It makes for a great time. And it does. Even though I know uh, we have to sit through this Bible story again, I'm not anti-Bible, but when you've heard the birth of Jesus Christ a bajillion times since you can remember, it just gets old. That's all. And Christmas, honestly, is not about that. Maybe if you ask nicely, I'll, I'll go in my diatribe about how Christmas is not about the birth of Jesus, how ridiculous that thought is, and maybe that's how it started, but our holiday traditions are all started on bullshit premise, premises that just seriously don't mean what you think they mean. Thanksgiving was not started by the pilgrims. It was started by some lady in the late 1800s or early 1900s. I think it was early 1900s or mid-1900s even. You know, Christmas is based on a pagan holiday that Christians stole. I'm just saying, there's there's issues. Celebrate what you'll celebrate, but stop lying to yourself. You have an obligation to stop lying to yourself. (laughs) Anyway, obligations are bad, so it caused problems with the family. And at one point, one point, my wife and I, we were putting out a certain number of a certain amount of money to buy everybody presents. Because that was the list. This is what you did. You bought presents. They got you presents. That's what you did. And at one point, I I just started. I don't know what clicked in my brain. It took a year or two for it to process. Honestly, still before kids, before Aaron and I had kids. And I just started going, I really, I really hate giving a present to this person. I really hate it. Because I have zero connection to them. My wife has minimal connection to them. They have zero connection to us. So the presents they give are horribly stupid and missed the mark. We're just half-assed guessing. And we're not that I'm against gift cards. I love gift cards. But sometimes I will buy that gift card out of the, the traditionally accepted reason of, I don't know what else to get you. Here's some money. You know, and I hate that. I want to give. And this is where I developed this idea and started realizing this principle. I want to give because I think of you and I love you. And I want you to know I thought of you and love you. 
And so I talked to her about it. It's like, we're kind of on a break-even scale. We called it loot back then because it was a pile of stuff. It was it was cool stuff. It was stuff that was on our list that we asked for. But essentially, we would spend a certain amount of money we really couldn't afford being broke and newly married and got about that much back in presents. And some, like I said, some of the stuff was really cool. But for me, some of it was really cool video games. Well, after a while, I trade those in or get rid of them. They don't last, right? Uh, uh, very. Anyway, we got down to it. If like, I didn't. I wasn't this eloquent, but I wanted to remove obligation. From I only wanted to give to people that I wanted to give to. And after a long, many long discussions, my wife finally understood where I was coming from, and she was okay. Especially because our budget would just not fit it but she was okay with not buying presents for certain people and understanding that they might not get us presents christmas should not be an exchange christmas if you are observing this spirit quoting fingers of the holiday and i want to give to you now because it's christmas it's because you want to and you're in the giving spirit because yeah it's a huge uh scientific principle you're getting caught up in the moment people are more giving at christmas People are more, at times, more friendly at Christmas. People are also way more bitchy at Christmas because they're having to fulfill obligations and they're having to find the thing they think they have to have and they can't get it. There's good and bad with everything. I am not knocking Christmas. I'm saying if you give, it should be because you want to. And that's going to bring me to my final point that I've already been building up to is I fucking hate what somebody gives to me because they have to. Hate it. I refuse to. I don't recognize your birthday if I don't think about it. I mean, I try to be nice. I try to be tactful. If it's somebody's birthday that I really like, like Angie uh, Pruitt, she is a really good friend of mine, and she does a lot of help, a lot of stuff with my family and has always done stuff with my podcasts and helped me out there from the early get-go of her meeting me. She made it clear that it was important to be acknowledged on her birthday. She doesn't need stuff, but she enjoys her birthday. She wanted to be acknowledged. And she knew and accepted when she met me. I was still mostly on the bandwagon of birthdays aren't important. It's, it's whatever. Um, but I learned to say, hey, I care about you. I really do. I want you to show you, I want to show you that by honoring what I heard you say. And that is, you just like to be acknowledged. So on her birthday, I try to make sure I text, call, at least Facebook Messenger, nothing else. You know, and there's other people that when it pops up on Facebook reminder saying, hey, so-and-so's got a birthday coming up in a day or two or it's today or whatever. If I go, oh, man, I really like them. I want them to know I acknowledge that's their birthday. Hey, happy birthday. Not of obligation because I follow, I, mean, I have, I don't know how many hundreds or i have over a thousand friends on facebook due to different games and different things that i've done lots of birthdays pop up that i'm like i don't even remember why we're connected i don't care i just don't care but when i do care you'll know it and that's the thing i want you to know you will always understand this about me if i give you something it's because i thought of you and want you to have it if i acknowledge you it's because i want you to know i care if i ask about something going on on in your life it's never to be nice sometimes a reminder in my head is because my wife's voice is in there going why didn't you ask about their their wife who's been sick for a while don't you care well yeah i do but when we're talking about business and we never talk to each other it doesn't always pop into my mind but i do try to get better about that because i do care 
I try with Mike even here when we have conversations. A lot of times it's 90% about the show and about the podcast that I do and what's next in the business. But I definitely try to take a moment to say, hey, Mike, how's your day going? What's going on in your life? Because it shouldn't be just all about me and my business or just about me in general. It should be a two-way street. And that I do that on purpose because I care. I have zero obligations in life. And if you honestly, I don't know if this will ever be like recorded public because it's not like I have a documentary crew going around with me. But if you think there's ever an obligation on me and you try to put it on me, you're going to get the, yeah, I don't care. Don't give a shit, man. You can't make me do anything. I don't even have to pay my rent. I don't have to. There's no obligation. I can move out and live on the street. Is that a great option? Hell no. But the reality is you can't force anybody. Obligation is so fucking fake. So made up. Such a goddamn guilt trip, man. Oh, my God. So here's here's another story about gift giving and what really broke my heart about this. Is after with my wife, after we, I had decided for my life that I only wanted to give to people that I care about, but I was also learning a lesson about being a partner in a partnership, and that was with my wife. So I said, I will follow you. I'm just letting you know what I'm figuring out about my life slowly but surely. We opted out at some point when the economy kind of took a turn because we, we actually voiced to the family, it's like, look. We're broke. We're trying to get our life straight. We've done Dave Ramsey. We're trying to get our finances straight. And we really just can't justify putting out this much money in presents. We're sorry, but we 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 just abstain. And I don't I don't remember if there's a lot of pushback or not on that. But I do know there are people who talked about us for sure and kind of her 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 her. You know how that goes. You don't quite hear the words behind your back. Her 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 her. But the very next year, the very next year, the people who were ruff, 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 ruff it, were like, uh, things are kind of tight. And there's and at this point, there was a number of marriages of kids in the family. You know, my wife being one of the kids in the family. We had two children by this time. Uh, my brother-in-law had two children. Um, my, our, my wife's cousin was bringing, you know, boyfriends in or whatever and, and Family was expanding is the point. And somebody went, things are, things are kind of tight. How about we just buy a few presents for the kids? And then as adults, we, we do the uh, drawing names. And again, we politely declined. And ruff, 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 ruff. <laughs> Until people started drawing names they didn't want. You know, I never voiced any of this to other family members. Just to my wife. And, but the effect, the energy of going, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. I don't mind coming. And I want to talk about family obligation. One more thing to uh, how to get people to come around to your point. So I'll put a pin in the gift giving thing. You get the point there. We affected change just by abstaining happily. No judgment, no anger, no fights. Just going, no thanks. We, we just can't. Sorry. And we really did, can't change this. No, thanks. We just really aren't interested. Thank you. So, uh, effective change there. But going back to family obligation, there came a point in my wife and I's relationship where there was just issues with me dealing with my stuff. I've always been an outspoken, loud ass motherfucker, and I, I really, I really don't. Even today, I really don't hold back my opinion. Where I feel like it'll affect change when somebody's uh, 
directly addressing me or coming after me or commenting on something that's a part of my life, I'll set them straight in a goddamn heartbeat. I don't give a fuck who you are. I will set you straight. And I usually do it in a way that makes you feel stupid. I'm good at that. So that caused issues in her family uh, when I was over there for any family holiday is somebody invariably had to because that's that's how humans are. Right? It's not just my wife's family and or my family. My family did the same thing. I actually cut them off for two years. Did not speak with two children. Did not speak to my mother and father for two years or my sister because they would not respect my rights as a human being. And that story I can tell if you ask Again, you know, uh, RGOP at charlesmcfall.com. These are stories that, thousands of stories, thousands of experiences, stuff that some of it's been told, some of it hasn't been told. But you can ask if you want to hear it. That's what I'm talking about, shared human experience. When I hit a note, you're going, oh, shit, I kind of went through something like that, or I might have to go through something like that. How did you do it? Ask me that question, and I will help you and tell you how I did it and share my story, and you might be surprised at what you get out of it. So there was just issues at my in-law's house that were very uncomfortable. And at every holiday, somebody would say, had to say something. Oh, this, oh, that. Well, at one point in my marriage, my wife's like, because she always wanted me to go for her. And at one point, she wanted me to go with the kids. But she just started real. I, I got honest with her. See, when you take out the anger, when you take out your personal bullshit and get down to the real reasons of what's going on, and you have a recent conversation about it. People come around to your side. And I had a recent conversation with my wife going, no, I really don't want to be over there. Because they will say shit that pisses me off. And I will try to hold my tongue. But at some point, I'm going to have to set them straight. Because when you say something directly to me that you know is stupid, I'm going to fucking set you straight. When I'm trying to raise my children the way I want to raise my children, and you say something to me about being a parent, as I'm going to stop there. I almost went off into a territory that would cause more damage than it would help you with. But nobody has a right to tell you how to be a parent. Nobody. I don't care if they're great parents to you, horrible parents to you, strangers to you. doesn't matter. It's your kid. You'll figure it out. Get advice, by all means, but nobody has the right to tell you how to raise your kid. And some of that was going on. There were some judgmental comments, some, some ugly comments about how I was raising my kid. And... It, it just it made for uncomfortable situations, to say the least, for my wife, for myself. It made me angry, you know, for the other family members. So my wife at one point, I the opportunity would arise that most of the stuff would happen on a holiday, right, Fourth of July's and Christmases and Thanksgivings. And she would say, hey, you know what? I just kind of, at one point she goes, we were talking about reasonably. I'd gone two or three times reasonably going, no, here's why I don't want to be there. You know, this is going to happen, but I'm coming for you. Oh, I appreciate you coming for me or the kids, you know, helping out, whatever. And after like two, maybe three times of that, of me trying my best and her family still making, well, okay, I, if I'm, if I am there, I'm part of the problem, right? If you're part, I, I talked about this on an EMS show that I did, the EMS underground that I shared on Rock Got a Podcasting. If you come into a situation whether you had anything to do with it or not, you're now in that situation, which means you're part of it. You're part of, if it's a problem, you're part of the problem, which also means you're part of the solution. So I can sit here as a human and try to blame them. And, and, but the reality is I'm there as I'm as much a part of the problem as they were. I was not actively fixing problems. I was not actively trying to help anybody out. Be awesome. I wasn't doing anything. I was being neutral as opposed to being antagonistic. So the reality was I was a much a part of the problem. 
after a couple of times of it just being issues, my wife said, I, I know that you're willing to help me out. I think it's just better for everybody involved if you stay home and don't go. Are you sure? Because I want to be there to help you take care of the kids, to help you. No, I don't have any goddamn desire to be at your family's house right now. We're at odds. My life is my life and their life is their life, but they can't seem to understand that. And I tend to attack their life because I think I'm being attacked and all this other shit. I made problems and they made problems. It was a problem. <laughs> it was an obligation. So she asked me to stay home. I said, yes. And I started taking on jobs on those days. And then at some point in the office job that I did, uh, actually really from day one, but I don't know if, I honestly don't remember if the first year I volunteered, but they needed people on certain days. Certain days they would close, but certain days they needed people to be in the office. And at one point they started having to have somebody there all the time. So Christmas day, Christmas Eve day, Thanksgiving day, and they pay major compensation I mean, by the time I left that job, well, I didn't leave that job. They laid me off. But by the time I left that job, my holiday pay, if I worked on a Christmas day, $50 an hour. And a lot of time, because it was a major holiday, there wasn't very much work to do at all. I had to be there to answer the phone, right? Because a doctor could call in, oh, I need you to read this thing right now. And that did happen once or twice. I mean, I'd be there on a holiday. On a Christmas afternoon, the doctor would call me. He's like, hey, oh, thank, thank goodness you're in the office. Uh, I have a patient going to the ER right now. They're going to send you the information. I need you to read that and get it to my office as soon as you can. Here's a special fax number. That happened. So legitimately, there was a need for somebody like me to handle that. And because of my stance of obligation and my wife's stance of obligation and our stance of let's take care of our family and make some goddamn good money. Because Jesus Christ, $50 an hour for an eight-hour day minimum was great money. You know, I would take it and do it and volunteer. I'd volunteer. So nobody ever had to work it out. Nobody had to worry about taking turns. I was the man who did it. And everybody was cool with that. At some point, I don't know who, but somebody in my wife's family made a comment about how I'm never there. And because of how she and I had dealt with obligation and how we had worked out a plan together and we had taken all all the anger out, all the fight out of it, she was then free to defend me. And she finally turned around and said something to that person, whoever it was. I said, yeah, you know what? To work today, he gets $50 an hour to be at work today. Or he could be here where you really don't want him here. And he doesn't necessarily want to be here. So let's just be honest. We're going to take the money over causing problems with the family. So thank you for not saying anything else about it. I was like, damn, baby, you actually said that? And I don't know if that's a direct quote because I wasn't there. But basically, she said that. I was like, that's awesome. And it cleared the air. And now, you know, because I can. Nobody expects me to go. They always offer. I, I go if I can and try to, try to be a part. Because... Through both families, mine and hers, we have made concessions, all of us. We have made treaties, if you will, peace treaties that say, hey, we're going to avoid these areas in life because we are family. I've stuck around for 16 years now. My wife on my family side, she stuck around for 16 years. She ain't going away. Neither am I. So after a period of time of, oh, this isn't going to end anytime soon, you have to make a peace treaty and just say, this is no fire zone. We won't talk about politics. We won't talk about religion. We won't make comments on each other's life, period. No advice. We'll just be here. We'll talk about different things that we can talk about. We'll socialize. And it's good. 
And it is good. It has made it decent for me to go to my family's house. It's made it decent for me to go to my in-law's house. And actually, they come to my house now. And it's made that decent where it's okay. So going back to the gift, see, that was getting rid of obligation of family because that's such a bullshit notion. I have to be. No, you really don't. I want my children when they grow up, finishing up the obligation of family talk here. I want my children when they grow up to fucking want to come to me. Or my wife and I have already talked about this. My oldest child is 11. We have no prospects of grandchildren anytime soon. And we definitely don't have any prospects of him moving out to have his own home for the next 10 years, probably. Maybe less than that. Maybe six to eight years. But we've already talked about what we want to do. See, when you take away obligation, you can actually discuss the life you want to live. Not the one you have to fucking live. Because you don't have to do shit. And that's what kills me about obligation. You never, truly, ever, ever, ever have to do shit. Well, I have to pay my taxes. No, you don't. You can go to jail. You can run from the law as long as you can. You can try to move out of the country. There's a whole lot of other shit you can do. You don't have to do shit. Well, I have to take a shit. Well, that's just biological. It'll fall out of you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> my point is my wife and i want our kids to want to be with us at christmas want to be together she wants them all to stay in the area i'm the opposite i'm like go forth and conquer the world man go have your life and your adventure but i do want to see you i want to hear what you're going to do i'm teaching my kids about media so at least i can follow them on fucking facebook when they're older and watch their live videos that they're going to do you know but we've also agreed they don't have to come to us just because we're the parents and we have the house that they grew up in or whatever bullshit reasonings people have. They don't have to come to us. We've already decided if it's easier, we'll make, because we have four kids, we'll make four different trips. Maybe all in one day, depending on where they live. Maybe over two days. You know, we we'll work it out to the best of everybody's needs because we want people to want to be there. We never, ever want never ever want any of our children to have to be here because it takes oh my god it takes everything away from that so going to my final thought on gift giving and obligation there was a time i worked with some people now i i refuse to participate in office pools of christmas gifts because I, I I finally had to be brutally honest with the people I worked with. Like, look, I like you guys enough to work with you. I can enjoy your company for the few hours a day that we overlap. But I don't like any of you enough to buy you a present. I just don't. I don't need a present from you. I'm just being honest. I don't have the money for it. And what money I do, I want to spend on my kids or my wife. I, I really don't want to spend it on you. So thanks, but no thanks. Because when I try to say no, thank you, push, push, push. No, really, I'm not interested. Thank you. Well, don't you want to? Let me tell you what I do want. I want to give to the people I love. I don't really love any of you guys. If I wasn't working with you, I wouldn't know you. I love my wife. And so what little money I do have, I'm going to spend on her and my kids. Thanks. Leave me alone. And that did. I got me out of the birthday pool, which is dumb. The birthday pool was break even. If that. Uh, the Christmas pool. Uh, the Christmas was an exchange gift thing. I just got out of that. But I was working with some people that I thought were friends of mine on some projects. 
And when their birthday came up, I went and found very specific things that were never on their list. But I, was, I went, oh, that's this person. I want to get that this this to that person. That's my whole gift giving philosophy. Any time of the year, my wife and I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. <gasps> no shit, <laughs> I'm not kidding. We hate Valentine's Day. We early on went. This is the dumbest fucking holiday in the world. Everybody who thinks they're in love with somebody is going to try to go out to a dinner tonight. It's stupid. It's an obligation. That is the most obligatory holiday you'll ever fucking come across. Single people are obliged to feel sorry for themselves. People in relationships are obliged to do something for somebody else. People who are in marriages. Oh, my God. If you're not doing something because you want to, you're fucking it up. And, and it will affect your relationship. It will affect everything in your life. Affect, not reflect. It'll affect everything in your life. So anyway, I was working with some people. And, you know, yeah, birthday is an opportunity to buy something. There are times when I just buy things because I see them. I go, oh, my God, I saw this. It was instantly made me think of you. And I want to give it to you. No reason. That's how my wife and I are for each other, typically is we'll do little things for each other or even big things for each other throughout the year that shows, Hey, I love you. I'm thinking of you. It's not always money. It's not always, it's not always anything. It just is. And, uh, even at Christmas time, she and I have agreed not to buy presents for each other. We, we don't necessarily buy presents for our kids. They get a lot of stuff from their grandparents and great grandparents and uncles and aunts. They get stuff all the time. We buy the Christmas town that I told you about earlier. We spend our holiday money on that, building up an experience that they love. And we even went so far as to say one year we didn't go because my wife had just had Ryland and he was a tiny baby. He couldn't go. It, it wasn't going to be safe for him with the weather and everything. So she wasn't going to go. And like, if if you don't go, we don't go because it's a family thing. And she was like, no, no, y'all go. I was like, nope. And I talked to my kids. They were old enough to understand. It's like, here's the thing. Do you want to go without your mom? And they both went, no, that's, it's our thing. And went, absolutely. And so the three of us stood together and told her to shut up. We're not going this year. So we bought some presents with that money. And sometimes we do get stuff for our kids, but they understand the whole concept of we get you something when we see it because we love it and we love you. And it made us think of you. They do the same thing now. And it's all about that life experience of every year we go to Christmas town. If we can't go, we can't go. But the idea is we have this experience together that we love, that we all go there. And it will break my heart the day that one of my teenage kids wants to rebel or just wants to be an asshole or for some reason has something else going on in that day and they can't go. We can't work it out for everybody to go. It'll break my heart if they can't go. But that'll be their choice because they never should be there because they have to be. I, goddamn. I mean, I could go on for another goddamn hour about the obligations I had at church and, and the stuff I had to grow up doing. I hated it. Anytime you have to do something, you will not learn from it. I had to go to church. I had to believe in the principles they were teaching. I had to suffer through so much bullshit growing up that way, just in religion, just in the church, just in what other people thought I should be doing. That I, I, I refuse now. Life is about freedom. No one ever deserves to be miserable in fact you deserve to be happy and if you don't believe that what the fuck is wrong with you 
That's what you should be asking yourself. I'm telling you, somebody who's happy, somebody who lives their life free, and goddamn, if you want to ask me in direct work-related events, how has not being miserable, how has desire to be happy affected your work life? I can tell you an hour-long story about all the jobs I've had, why I quit, what happened, how it affected my family, how it affected me, how it fucked up some shit, but how I'm much better for it now. And oh my God damn, I am living the life I want to live right now. I am doing the work I want to do. I host trivia for a living. I just, I just fucking talk for a living. And I love it. And yeah, I have to be somewhere almost every night. And yeah, I have to go in situations that kind of drag me down sometimes. But it's a life I want to live. It's a life I desire. Everything I do is my choice. And it's obvious. And I'm happy. That's the opposite of obligation. So when it came to gift giving, I was working, this is the last story, I was working with some people I thought I was close to. And when Christmas came up, whatever, when birthdays came up, I was there because I'm like, now is the time that people look for things. It's a great excuse. It's, it Maybe it's a reminder for me to say, hey, I want to do something for you. And I, I mean, I would go out of my way with love to go, I'm not just going to buy you some generics. I'm definitely not going to get you a gift card. I'm going to go find something that says this is, yeah, I want to use current names. These are not people I've necessarily done it for, uh, but I want to keep the names out of it just, just because I do. I want to see something that says this says Paul Klotz to me. I want to say, I want to go, oh man, that says Travis Jones to me. He's got to have that. I, I just want him to have that for me. I did, actually, I know I did that for Paul, Travis Jones. Nothing to do with any holiday, nothing to do with any obligation, but it was a reminder. I was watching his show. Travis Jones does the Blazing Defender Report, and it's a YouTube show that you can also get through an audio podcast as well. But I was watching his show on YouTube because he talked about how he had mentioned Giant Size Team Up. And, you know, I'm just loving his energy and what he's doing. And he talks about, uh, in that episode, he talks about how the only Funko Pop out of Batman versus Superman that he wants is this Nightmare Batman. And he can't find anywhere he loves the Nightmare Batman. And instantly I went, you know what? The day I said I wanted a regular Deadpool Funko Pop and I couldn't find one. Within a week, he had found it at Target, verified that was the one I wanted, and bought it for me and sent it to me. And I was thinking, just out of the love of his heart, just because he loved me and what I was doing on the show, and I just clicked with him. And he, out of the love of his heart, just went, hey, I want to do this for you. Here you go. And that rooted in my brain and who I am. And I went, when he said that about Nightmare, I went, one good turn deserves another, man. Not because I'm obligated, but because... You're doing such great work for my my network. And you're you're you did this great thing for my life when you didn't even know me. Not truly knew me. I want to do this for you. So I instantly, instantly got on Amazon as he's still talking on the video show and found Nightmare Batman, ordered it, shipped it to him, and actually had to call him up because somehow it had come to the house, but somehow got overlooked, misplaced. I'm like, hey man, did you uh ever get a package from me? And he's like, no, no, you know, and I finally had to tell him, cause I wanted it to be a surprise, but I finally had to tell him, okay, it's, it's this, it's the Funko nightmare pop. And I'm only telling you not because I want credit for it because, but because I really know you wanted it and I really want you to have it. And he got that and he's like, he finally found it and he's like, oh my God, it's so amazing. Didn't make a big deal on social media. Didn't make a big deal on Facebook, uh, which is social media. Yeah, I know. 
But he told me all he did was said thank you so much, and that's all I knew. I knew what it meant to him. I knew how much pleasure it bring to him, and it did. It had the same effect when he opened that box and knew I'd just gotten it for him just because I loved it, and it screamed him to me. He had that same feeling that I had when I opened up the Deadpool box. That feeling that somebody goddamn gets you. And they just wanted to do this thing, whether you said it or not. I mean, he said Batman, Nightmare Batman. I said Deadpool. But sometimes I will buy stuff for people that just went, this screams you. And my God, when that when I put that energy on it and it shows up and they go, holy shit, that screams you. I've got a Batman ring on my finger. I would never would have thought about buying. I never even crossed my mind that it might even exist. And a good friend of mine for my birthday found it. And I don't even know how much it costs, but he bought it for me. It's a beautiful sterling silver, or actually it might be some other kind of metal, but it's a silver looking, but it's a very tough metal uh, ring that's a Batman emblem. And it's straight cut out of the ring. I mean, it's just perfect for me. Never would I have thought to look for it. I wear it every day. And I get lots of compliments on it. Like, oh my God, I love your ring. I'm like, yeah, I love this too. Where'd you get it? A friend of mine bought it for me. Because he saw it and thought of me. That's the opposite of obligation. So I'm working with these people. And I I gave to them because I wanted to give to them. I gave to them because I love them. I wanted to say thank you for investing in me. Investing in what I do with this podcast stuff. Thank you. And because I, I care about you. And this says you to me. And I got some amazing stuff for them. And in return, they would send me some things. Well, the very next year, we had... I wasn't working with them anymore, but I still wanted to do stuff for them. And I did. And I sent them things for their, I don't know, at different times, birthdays, maybe, maybe some Christmas. I sent it. I sent stuff to people and nothing came back at all. I think I got a thank you for some of them. Some of them, no acknowledgement at all. And I went instantly. I went, are, are, were you participating in my life because of obligation? What, what, what the fuck? What? Why? Why would you do that? Especially in a situation where I constantly talked about, I do things because I want to, never because I have to. And I hate when people feel like they have to do. What? Why? Why would you do that? And that has played into even some of my closest friends. Yeah, my birthday. I put out my my wish list at towards Christmas. You know, Black Friday, I might put out my wish list for those in the the social blogosphere. You know, the 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 atmosphere out there, the social universe, as it were. People who listen to the shows, people who who find that they care about me. If they want to do something, it's there. If it's not, it's not. I never, I never expect anybody to listen to my show. If I call you up and, and say, "Hey, have you listened to?" Rock got a podcasting. It's never because I'm trying to get more listeners. It's because I want your opinion on something and I need to know. And I always cushion it with, look, I don't expect you to listen. I'm asking because I have a specific question. And sometimes I say, yeah, I've listened. So, okay, here's my question. And I, I get my feedback that I need or the reason I'm asking. But if they say no, oh, no, I say, no, 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 don't never apologize. You don't have to listen. I never expect you to listen. I'm just looking for specific feedback on a specific thing that I said or did. So if you didn't listen, you, you aren't qualified to give me that advice. That's all. I got to tell you, it, it definitely took the wind out of where I thought certain relationships were with people. 
when I found out they were only doing it out of obligation. They were doing it out of some sense of have to, be it on their own side and what drives them, be it because maybe because I gave them something and they, they felt obligated to return it. You, you take away from my gift. You take away from me when you do that. When I give you something out of love of my heart and you feel like you have to do something, why? Why would you take away from what I did for you? Why would you ever say you're not worthy of being happy? Why would you argue with me when I say you deserve to be happy? You don't know me. No, I know me. I know the horrible shit that I've done. I haven't even begun to crack the door on telling those stories. I know the the, the darkest places I've been and the, the worst shit I've done in life. And I'm worthy of being happy. I deserve to be happy. Because being happy is the only way you'll do the best work, the best relationships, the best life you'll ever have is to be happy. If you're not happy, you're operating at 50%, 30%. Maybe you're not operating at all. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you have nobody to give stuff to. Maybe nobody's given to you because you're not giving to them. Not obligation, but because of investment. So obligation is shit. It takes away from me when I think that our relationship is we're mutually involved in each other. Going back to Christmas with my wife, we have agreed not to buy presents for each other for money reasons, but sometimes I still buy her something. And I don't do it to make her feel bad, and she feels a little bad. Well, that's not fair. I didn't get you anything. I'm like, baby, you know where I stand. It ain't about you get me something. If you want to go get me something, fucking go get me something. Just because we agreed not to get If I showed up with no presents and she showed up with presents, I would not feel bad at all because I didn't see something that moved me towards getting her something. Because we agreed, one, we agreed on not getting presents, but two, something has to just pop up. And the stuff I've gotten her against those that agreement has been necessary and important. And because I had some money and I fucking wanted to. That's why. And that works in this household. And every once in a while, that obligation will kick in. Because we're human beings and it's still kind of a, it's like that Mucinex commercial where you take the medicine, you feel better, but the little green snot monster is still in your lungs and eventually it will build back up and be strong again. That's how some of these lessons are. We still feel obligated sometimes to do something. And when we, and, and, but in our lives now, our being my wife and I, in our lives now, the second we do anything out of obligation, we immediately feel stupid and go, ah, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Ah, oh, well, it's a reminder of why I do things in life and I'll move forward obligation is always a have to. And if you do anything out of obligation, if you do anything because you have to, you'll never, ever do it to the best of your ability. You'll never, ever get the the happiness that should go along with everything you do. Everyone deserves to be happy. No one deserves to be miserable. An obligation creates misery. So I'm going to drop it there. I'm going to put it down. Lots of things I could have said, lots of areas I could have gone into. If you have those questions, see, this is the shared human experience. I can feel it. I know it. I know it's just not about me shouting at the rooftops. Oh, actually, my background is a beautiful mountaintop. <laughs> so I'm not shouting at the mountains. Look at me. I'm awesome. No, I know in these stories I tell, in my experiences, in the lessons that I've learned, I know you're in there too. Either you're going through it now, either you've gone through it before and you can agree or have a different perspective, something I missed that you've learned that you can help me out with, or maybe it'll just stick there and you don't know why, but eventually you go through it and you'll remember this. Either way, anyway, however you go at it, 
It is a shared human experience. If there's questions that you want answered, if there's points that I've hit on your life, email me, RGOP at charlesmcfall.com. RGOP stands for what? Rock God of Podcasting. RGOP at charlesmcfall.com. Call me. Hit me up on SpeakPipe. That's a voice message with any device that has a microphone, your phone, your tablet, your computer, anything that has a microphone that you can allow to use. RockGodOfPodcasting.com. SpeakPipe tab is right there and record a message. You'll get it straight to me. Well, if you don't want me to use it on the show, say not on the show, but here's what I'd like to say to you. You can do that in the email as well. Follow me, facebook.com forward slash rock out of podcasting. Let me know your questions there. You can comment on the post on rockoutofpodcasting.com. Twitter's at rockoutofpod. I'm always here to interact. The thing I love the most is talking about life and helping you live yours to the best. That gets me fired up no matter how tired I am, no matter how stressed things are. If I can share something that I've been through or an insight that I have to something maybe you're going through, that, that gets me going. And I'll do that all day long. So check it out. Please share this show with people. Let people listen. You, you, even if you don't deal with obligation, you know people who do. Share this with people. I know it's R-rated, but we live in an R-rated world. And sometimes things just have to be said certain ways. Well, ha, see, I did it. I just didn't have to. That's just bullshit. <laughs> but there are definitely times when I feel like expressing myself in an R-rated way is the best way to get my point across. So I understand it's not going to be shared with everybody. But I got to tell you, the people who can handle that kind of language can handle the truth that comes behind it. Because the R-rating isn't always for the F-bombs and the S-bombs and, and that, or the graphic nature. If we start talking about sex, I'm going to be bluntly graphic about it. But sometimes the R-rating is for the truth that you can't handle because you have to be in a certain point in life. You just do. There was so much truth I never could handle when I was younger, not because of age, but because of bullshit that I was at in my life, because of the darkness and the, the lies that I bought into and the obligations that I had. You just aren't ready to hear it. So that R rating is a nice little safety net for people who aren't ready. It'll piss them off. It'll hurt their feelings. It'll it'll do the negative on them. There's a quote for a teacher. It'll do the negative on them. <laughs> Whereas when you're ready, the truth will set you free. And that's what the Rock Out of Podcasting is all about. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.